Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. It's your host, Ken, and another beautiful day out here on the road, on the jar, and then finding some time, some beautiful quiet time in the afternoon uh, to settle into my room, wherever that may be. Today, I'm looking out the window, and yeah, you know, I am in, um, I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and so I just got here. It's my first show from here. Uh, did a couple of jar episodes, really good. Uh, met a really interesting person today that actually got up out of a wheelchair, uh, bound to the wheelchair through nerve pain and nerve damage. And posture was what got this person up and moving. And now they've got a whole business around it and they're a certified posture person. Very interesting journey. Going to be on mental health today, next Friday. So if you're watching this show and you have fun, there's another really good one lined up uh, next Friday. Pretty inspiring story. We're going to get to hear the mental health part of it, the journey of you know being... 20, I think he was about, he was eight, sorry, he was 18. And the doctor said, you have the back or the body of an 80 year old. Uh, imagine hearing that and the despair. Anyway, all that happy stories, but the good outcome was uh, some positive mental attitude. He found his way out. And, and I think this, this uh, mind that we've got, this, this, this amazing human computer that we've got uh, requires sometimes some, you know, some skill and to operate, right? We've kind of figured out that we aren't given many classes. There's no class around how to talk to yourself, how to, how to achieve kind of some communication between yourself and your mind. And, and I think uh, Sasha, you know, our next guest is, is somebody who's kind of maybe not figured it out, but maybe figured out she knows less. She, as she knows more, she finds out she knows less than we, than we can possibly imagine uh, about the potentials. But Sasha, Welcome to Mental Health Today. Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for taking time out to share about what you do and, you know, how can we battle this mental health crisis? Thank you, Ken. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to being here with you. Yeah. Yeah. So how how did you end up? I mean, I look at your corporate career, right? So I'm kind of, I'm snooping on LinkedIn, right? And I'm like, who, you know, who is Sasha? And, you, and, I, and I, I can only tell you by your corporate career, right? And I look and like, yeah. here's a successful person grinding their way. And then there's this change. And then I read a little bit of the bio. And so, you know, you kind of had to find your own way out. Maybe how about, how did you end up in this space? Yeah. So I started, I was originally in the film industry. So I was a producer, mainly mm. on commercial advertising. And yeah. I was pretty pretty much 24 seven. <laughs> I was on the go all the time. I really wasn't leading a very healthful, healthy lifestyle, mm. but more in the sense of mentally, because I was doing all the right things. Like I exercised, I ate feel it fairly well, but I wasn't looking after my mind. Mm. Uh, I was always on a plane. I was in a relationship that really wasn't uh, very healthy, let's put it that way. Mm. And that all eventually came tumbling down. I couldn't really live like that anymore. And so what yeah. happened was I got very, very sick in around 2009, 2010. Okay. And I ended up, 
I had all sorts of things. I had adrenal fatigue. I had, oh gosh, I can't even remember, like leaky gut. I had mercury poisoning. I had all sorts of things going on. But yeah, the result of it was that I was completely inflamed. So I couldn't walk. So my body essentially shut down. And like, I'm quite a small person but I looked double my size because everything was so swollen. I couldn't put shoes on uh, because I just couldn't get them on my feet. Like even sneakers, anything like that was just almost impossible. So in the end, I had to stop work. I gave up work for at least uh, nine months. And for the first three months, I was literally just on my couch, just managing the pain. Uh, I Mm. couldn't really do anything. And, And it was interesting because it wasn't even like I could uh could think I was just managing the pain minute by minute because it was really painful it was kind of to the point where at one stage I was like if this is life like I can't this is not somewhere I want to be and and go on with yeah that was a conversation this gentleman had this morning the pain Mm. was he literally said like day by day and it was like if this is life yeah so I was Yeah, it was really rough at that time. So that lasted around two or three months, but I was very, very lucky. I found an integrative doctor and he Mm. has or he had uh, a huge belief in approaching from all angles. So we did treat uh, from the Western perspective. So he helped me with some medication because I did need some of that. But at the same time, he sent me to a therapist. I went to acupuncture. I went to healers, you name it, I, yeah. I, I did it all. And it was a two-year recovery in total, but it was nine months before I was able to go back to work in some form. But there was still that three-month initially that it, uh, you know, it, I really wasn't in any good state at all. It was mm. like the whole world just kind of closed in like overnight. And Yeah, yeah. wow. Mm. So but as with all things like this, and I'm sure you've spoken many to many people in this respect, is this is what changes our lives. And this yeah, is where yes. gift, the gift comes from. So from that space, I, ha- I didn't suddenly change and become a facilitator of mindfulness and meditation. And okay. I didn't just, just like a magic, of, it, there's it no fairy dust. There was no fairy dust that suddenly uh, changed, but I, I went back into that industry and had, had to find a way to do it better. And that's where the mindfulness and meditation uh, came in. Okay. I started educating myself more. Okay. I became a coach. So I was doing all that on the side before I started moving into the industry I am in now. So I started retraining in around 2013. And I just slowly started to shift out of it. And in 2016, that's when I really drew the line in the sand and became a facilitator of mindfulness and meditation. I studied kinesiology, which I also uh, practice now. And my passion was also to take that back into the corporate space and into the industries that I came from because they're the people that really... I saw that needed it the most and I also Mm. could relate to them what they're going through as well. So I can speak from that space. uh, Yeah. With that understanding. And what do you try, you know, I mean, if I, if you're, if I'm a corporate HR person, right, Mm. I run a production studio and, Mm. and what's, 
are they coming to you or if you come to them, what's the approach? What do you, what are you trying to help that solve? What, what, yeah, they mostly going to be the real benefit. Yeah. Yeah. They mostly come to me, but I also do work for other companies that I facilitate for. So it works, it works in both ways. I have my own clients Mm. that I've been working with for a long time and it really depends. It can happen quite differently. So I have, regular clients who for example i might do a workshop for every quarter or every few every six weeks and then i'll have other companies that i just go in once or twice and yeah and we'll talk about mainly in that respect the foundations of mindfulness but if we do further uh further workshops dive in deeper we might talk about stress management we'll talk about finding clarity could be around purpose and values and strengths mm. so we can start to explore not just the core uh, mindfulness foundations but we can begin to uh, right. spread that out wider so they really begin to have a deeper awareness about themselves and i find that that's where the most effect comes because particularly pre-pandemic i always used to feel like i was ticking a box i'd go in there i'd do a workshop yeah. Uh, I talk about mindfulness and I leave. And I know that most people probably wouldn't really do much from there again. Okay. Yeah. Unless well, that, they yeah. really. A... <clears throat> I was definitely box ticking at that point, okay. which was okay. was kind of. Fr- I mean, I actually, I shouldn't say that for all companies, but that's what I found for most. Yeah. And it really depended on uh, mm. where it came from the top because. Yeah, yeah. People, uh, companies were becoming more aware of mental health for their employees, but I don't think they really uh, took that on board until the pandemic hit, and they yes. they they really had to do something uh, very quickly to support people. And so this is where I really noticed that tipping point and that change. Mm. And I love to see that because people companies take their employees mental health very seriously now and particularly when it starts at the top if those uh if the the higher up people like the ceos if the people the owners of the companies if they're practicing mindfulness if they've got a strong belief if they're showing up and demonstrating how it works Mm -hmm. that definitely flows through to the rest of the company as well so i think that that even makes it stronger uh, for the employees when when they get modeled that in the company themselves. Yeah. I've got a guest scheduled on September 4th, uh, Quint Studer. And Quint is that CEO. I've mm. never, I don't think there's, I mean, maybe just because I'm following him and his journey, uh, I don't know of a CEO like him. Mm. He has like love, you know, love, like basically love the employees. And you look at the values of the company and stuff and he's living it and preaching it. I mean, it's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. And it's and, interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry, Ken. I was just going to say it's interesting and I don't have the statistics off the top of my head, but how actually that plays a big benefit for the company itself. Uh, higher yeah. employee retention, uh, less presenteeism, less absenteeism. People love to come to work. They're more connected. So there yeah. is not just, you know, there's there's so many reasons why it can be so beneficial. Yeah, it's funny, and it's it's you would think you'd do it just for the just for the bennies, 
right? Mm. All the good things you get out of it, right? Even if mm. it's all show, but some mm. people still can't even figure that out. Some companies really can't even figure the show part out. And mm. when you do see it coming from heartfelt, mm. it, it does, it permeates the organization, right? You can see it down to even the emails and the marketing stuff they do. It's all very, it's all very human, yeah. uh, very caring. It's got a very caring feel to it. Yeah. But I think, as well, employees really appreciate it. And that's what I have yes, really, yeah, yeah. really noticed as well since, again, um, pre-pandemic where sometimes they felt like they kind of had to be there and like, why, mm. are we, why am I here? Yeah. Where now they actually a lot more receptive to it. But even when people uh, attend that maybe they're not so receptive, I always like to think that we're planting seeds. So uh, at yeah, some point yeah. down the track, if they go through something difficult, they might think, oh, what was that mindfulness? What was that meditation about? Yeah. How, can I, how can I manage my emotions better? And so maybe they pick it up down the track. So yeah. I always like to think of that dropping the seeds in is really valuable. Oh, yeah. No, I think you, you absolutely are. And when they leave, they're also influenced by those, you know, by the people that go out and use it and talk about it mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and right. so many more people practice these days, which is fantastic too. Yeah, the language is is not so woo-woo-ish, hippie-ish, right? It's real. The language now is accepted. You know, you can talk like I meditate, and people are like oh, that's not you know you're not you're not a woo-woo person. Yeah, when I first yeah. started, that wasn't the case. And you'd ask like how many people have meditated in the room before, and maybe one or two might stick their hands up. We're now literally most people predominantly I'd say 80 to 90% would raise their hand mm. that they've had some experience or in even the ones, usually that 10%, they've usually had some, like at least tried it once. It's interesting. It's, there's been a big shift. Yeah. I, there, there was quite a bit of, I believe zoom, like in the, some of the zoom meetings, there were some, a lot of HR stuff during COVID mm. uh, did center around some of this. They would have little room, like little, like a meeting, like at, 3 p.m. anybody can attend and it's you know meditation time you're everybody's at home but they're trying to get you to dial into the network and keep some kind of community going and then they have to offer something yeah um that was some stuff was, we did yeah i was doing that for a lot of businesses during that time and it's still okay doing yeah oh yeah you know yeah so it's yeah. it's a real thing right people yeah. get yeah. that's how that's how they find out yeah and i still do like I still worked for different businesses and just take them through meditation classes as well. So they have a regular, maybe monthly class or a weekly class as well. So there's a lot of benefit for that as well. So they feel like they've got something to support them regularly rather than just a workshop. Mm. Are you doing any, is there any kind of pre and post uh, mood temperature or kind of mental health temperature take? Do you do anything like that? Is that or is that something that's done? Some of the larger companies that I might work for will do that. Uh, personally, I, it's just a, for me if I'm d dealing directly yeah. with uh, businesses, it's usually just conversation. I'm not doing any specific research, but I'll be talking to them and I'll be talking about where they're at beforehand, and I'll be talking mm -hmm. to them afterwards because usually these relationships are ongoing. So when we do following workshops, I'll be like, how's the team? Yes. Um, what, what's right. going on for them? And even when we get onto the workshop, it's not me just standing there talking and showing my PowerPoint. It's like, how are you? 
what's been going on for you for the last couple mm-hmm. of months? How's your mental health? Uh, have you been using the tools? What's worked for you? What hasn't? So mm. it's more of a person-to-person relationship rather than me personally going out and doing huge research. Um, but I know yes, some of the yeah. companies that I work for do do that. Yeah, do some of the number. Yeah, they're just curious yeah. for the metrics. Yeah, the number um, crunching. I've never been a maths person, Ken, so I <laughs> so I, I'm more of a, a well, person to person, just having the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was I was in the I was straddling that horse. Um, <laughs> I had that 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 double horse that double straddled horse. I don't know what you call it. What am I saying? I lived in the world where I didn't really want to, but somehow they were part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was in the person person world, you know, the insurance world, but it was also, there was a lot of numbers behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the human part was obviously, you know, a lot of fun. I, yeah. I can say there was some beautiful, beautiful moments in it. There are some beautiful moments, not all just like this. Uh, they talk about not paying the claims and everything else. I never saw mm-hmm. any of that in the business. I always yeah. saw that, you know, the, the couple of the models that people talk about is we're in the business to pay claims. I mean, that's why you're in the bit. That's the bit you're in the business to pay claims. Well, uh, I have to say, I've always had a positive experience with insurance companies. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> good. So far, so far. So far, um, so good. <laughs> yeah. So well, hopefully, some of them can become clients. Yeah. Um, how you know is this? I think is you know what you're doing, getting that kind of personal the skill set. What other things do do employers need? What else do they need in their kind of tool bag? What do you? Because you maybe you're going in. Are you seeing other aspects of what their kind of mental health menu might be, and or the strategy? How are they approaching it? In terms of apart from what I do, or yeah, what yeah, yes. Yeah. So what else do you see around you? What else? You know, you're part of the strategy. In some places, I'm sure you're the whole strategy. Some companies yeah. could be it. You know, um, in other places, you might be part of the strategy. Yeah, so I see them doing different things like uh, like exercising together. So they might do yoga classes okay. or fitness classes together, or they might have Zumba. A, yeah, they might do walking meetings. That could be that's a really great initiative. So rather than sitting down at a board table, uh, I mean you can't really do it if maybe if it's a big team meeting, but if it's just one to one or uh, you know two or three people <laughs> going going on a walking meeting. I, and doing it that it. way, getting out in the fresh air, I think that's a positive thing. Um, I also see a lot of the big buildings, uh, so building centres doing things for the offices. So they'll have a lot of initiatives as well. So maybe down in the foyer and they'll have, um, you know, they'll have giveaways around you know, mental health and they can come mm. and have little sessions or perhaps they can come and get a green smoothie. I saw one thing the other day, um, which is that you actually rode a bike and made your smoothie on the bike. So that so by riding the bike actually <laughs> blended the blended the smoothie, the green smoothie. So I thought that was pretty pretty cool and fantastic. So there's lots of fun oh, ways and and initiatives that you can bring in to make it really enjoyable. Uh, for the team and I think also what's really important is that connection of the team and I think when people focus on that as well like connection Mm. uh, within the employees and bringing them together in some way and uh, you know really listening to them and yes hearing what they what their needs are and this can be anything from getting together 
for example, something like a meditation, but it could also be even a, you know, a Thursday after, you know, afternoon going out for coffee together. It doesn't necessarily have mm-hmm. to specifically be around uh, mental health, but still having that connection, not just necessarily all about the workplace, but mm. connecting on some level, on a deeper level, I think is is really powerful too. It's, it's the way when you're saying that it's kind of, it's interesting because this is something I've been thinking about doing with the jar yeah. uh, is, is using the jar as kind of a tool like that for, for a game and mm-hmm. allowing, you know, employees to kind of watch each other pull from the jar mm-hmm. and share their interpretation of the question and then their answer. And that humanizing, like you said, this connection, right? Because you'd hear the person, you don't know much about the person, you know, Mm. Susie in accounting or Bob Mm. in maintenance, you know, you don't, and there's people send emails to each other. And I don't really like the way your tone of your emails are not very nice. You know, I think Mm. she's always really, you know, and you, you build up these personas of people that you work with, right? Because you don't know a lot. So you fill in a lot because, you know, that's who we are. We're human, right? So we, we paint. I need to have a full picture of who you are and what I don't know, I'll, I'll make it up with some paper mache. Mm-hmm. And, and I think hum, what you just said is so powerful, right? When you know somebody, when you have a, when you have that, that human connection, mm-hmm. you know, like food or family, right. Or love life or, or, or health or mental health, right. You have a mm-hmm. connection. It just, it humanizes people. And then I yeah. think that, you know, it's hard to turn off that compassion, but I think unless you're a psychopath, right. It's mm. kind of hard to turn off that compassion gene. Yeah. And compassion so important. It's actually something I talk about a lot in, in corporate as well. But for example, I love the idea of your jar, like them pulling out a question and they all have to answer it and mindfully listen to each other would be such a beautiful and powerful uh, way for people to connect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's not a question. Somebody, I don't ask you the question, right? It's not Mm. invasive, right? We're in it together. You know, Mm. whatever question comes out is what comes out. And it's like, uh Oh, we're in this boat together. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm searching for some victims. I'll find uh, (laughs) find (laughs) I need a little small five or 10, you know, 20 company, the right, the right kind of place. Yeah. And and I'll find it. I'm sure when the time is right. Yeah, but even if it's only like a five or ten minute conversation, so they could oh, share yeah. their experience, and then that person mindfully listens, and then the other one sort of reflects back what they hear, and then so yeah. they feel heard. This oh, is yeah. a mindful listening exercise, by the yes, way, that yeah, I do yeah. in corporate. Oh, I love- <laughs> and, and, and then, and then the other one speaks and shares, and then the the person who spoke first listens, and then reflects back to to that person. So you're actually showing that you are listening rather because so often we, we're just always thinking about what's going up in our own mind yes. and what we're going to say next. So giving that opportunity for someone to actually be heard yeah. uh, is really powerful. And it's quite difficult sometimes to just sit back and to listen. Yeah. People find it quite hard. Yeah. So it teaches on lots of different levels, not only the ability to share, but also the ability to, to listen. Yeah. And that's mindfulness right there, just listening, right? Without mm. listening, without answering. And you just, when you said that it was, um, see, yesterday, yesterday, day before, my, my guest was talking about his grandma and the influence. And it was like the third interview in a row where grandma was so powerful in their childhood. 
And it was just, you know, like so touching, right? He's talking about grandma and these grandmas, you just imagine this, you know, this, this persona, right. Of a person. And she's probably five foot one, you know, 100, you know, 98 pound grandma. Right. But she's just this huge impact on this man's life and the way he talks about her. And he said, the best part was you could just go and talk to her. And mm -hmm. she wasn't even listening to say something. She never gave you advice. She never offered any advice. And she just listened. And you knew she was mm -hmm. listening to listen. Mm -hmm. So it's like what yeah. you just said. Yeah. Like, and I think it's, a, sorry, I just interrupted you there. And no. I didn't, didn't, um, but I think no, we have a little delay. Yeah. We have yeah. a little delay. So it's a little awkward. <laughs> I think it's a skill that a lot of us have lost. Yeah. That just listening to listen. Uh, so it's funny when you said that, it was like those words, he was telling that story and it was powerful part of the, you know, powerful story mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, looking at his mom and his dad and, you know, not all the greatest examples on those sides, but that grandma there, man, grandma was, she was the bomb. Yeah. yeah. For me, for me too, my grandmother was like that. And in, speaking uh, of grandmas, she was probably the most important person in my world back then too. So uh, you've, got, you've, got a, you've got a fourth person. With I, got a fourth, I got a bookend <laughs> now. It's bookended. And yeah. I was thinking, you know, and as I sat there, I was thinking, you know, that was like a bummer. Like I didn't have the grandma thing at all. The grandpa or grandma thing. Like, yeah, I got gypped on that one. <laughs> I kind of got gypped. I was, when he was telling me the story at the end, I was like a little bit of that heartache of not of, of of jealousy not jealousy but mm -hmm. like a little woe is me mm. you know moment because it was like the it was like the third grandma in a row and i was like all right enough i'm like i'm with my own grandma Aww. that was funny that was cute so it's good to know it's but it's good you know it, it's a reminder for people listening right because we're all going to be i'm a grandpa now so it's a reminder mm -hmm. of of the impact you can have yeah. And being and, a good human around the kids and your role is powerful. Absolutely. So you can have a huge impact. You can be that grandpa to them that you didn't have when you maybe were younger. Yeah. The grandma side. Um, but also too, to be able to show kids that and to, because kids so much, you know, they're on their phones and their iPads mm. and things like that. So uh, teaching them some of these skills at a young age, getting them outside and, you know, practicing mindfulness, I think is so powerful. I wish we were taught that stuff as kids. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I was, I mean, Sasha, my biggest, I, this is just so strange. And, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at it with my intro, uh, maybe not super articulately. Uh, we have this killer supercomputer in our brain. I mean, in mm -hmm. our, in our heads, right? Our brain is, it's the most powerful computer on the planet. We don't even know how it works. Right. We don't even know it's we don't know how much disk space has been used. We don't know how much disk space is left. I mean, it's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. Right. So but the, and there's no class on it. And you're doing something. You're like the closest thing to an actual, you know, course. And people mm -hmm. are getting it when they're 50 and, you know, 55 years old yeah. <laughs> somewhere at the, at the office. Crazy. Yeah. I do. Uh, I don't do a huge amount in schools, but I do do yeah. a little bit in schools. And some of the businesses that I work with do a lot in schools, and I love that. It's it's happening slowly, but yeah. I love to see kids learning how to meditate or just how to become more mindful. It's like these are tools that they need because they're Whoa. growing up in a very very different world to what we yeah. did. 
So like I love teaching adults and that's more my thing because I come from that background. I can relate to them. Uh, I don't have kids, so it's not like I necessarily mm. um, yeah, have yeah, a, not- I mean, I love kids, but I'm not necessarily on their level like like a, a mother would be yes. um, teaching mindfulness to them. But so I just love seeing this happen in schools. Um, and while I don't do it so much myself, uh, I'm so passionate about it. Like it just makes my heart uh, feel so hopeful when I see kids learning this at a young age and how my life could have been different if uh, if that was the case, if I'd learned yes. at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking when you were saying that, exactly. I could have, I mean, I was definitely volatile, you know, little testosterone machine. I was a normal boy. My dad kept me busy. No wonder he kept me in every sport there was, you know, because I was just a lunatic. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I look back, I was an absolute hot mess. To, I could not imagine being my mother. I was the third boy. Mm. We we're all completely off our rockers. Yeah. All and that energy. <laughs> all that energy, right? We were just absolute, you know, crazy machines. And um, I could have used how to regulate myself. Like there was a lot of times where you like, you know, you lose it and you're not, you have no skill in how to get it back and you know, you've lost it. Right. Is it even as a, even as a 14, 15, 12 year old kid, you know, you've lost control of your emotions and you're not in control anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have been great to define like, okay, get into the box breathing, try to, you know, try to get yeah. your life under control, son, you know, uh, take some slow, deep breaths would be great to have just that simple skill. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the way, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, I can only speak from personal experience, but this is whether it's children, adults, whoever, mm-hmm. the one thing meditation and mindfulness has given me is that regulation. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not a silver bullet. It doesn't mean that there's no stress. It doesn't mean we don't have challenges, but I can cope with them. I can get over things in a day rather than maybe months or weeks, you know, like I don't hang on to things, you know, I can regulate myself really, really quickly. It doesn't have to go on Mm. for days and days and days. So it's building that greater self-awareness. It's having those tools to regulate. uh, I think is just, it was had an incredible impact on my life, which is why I teach it now. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the way you just explained that Sasha, uh, that, you know, I, I kind of the way I said it and then the way you kind of reflect it. Right. Um, mm. You're right. I you when you do let some when you do lose a little bit when you lose control. Mm. Right. Or when I used to. Right. Like you said, you end up really letting that emotion build up to a point where it's it's so in your body that it takes so much time to kind of let it go. Even mm. my chemical, your chemical imbalance, you know, the reaction mm. that you allow to happen. And yeah, you know, now that I know a bit, you know, how to, how to control my body and a bit more of my mm. emotions and I'm not, you know, not 22, um, all that, all that helps. Um, mm. but you're right. You, I can totally control a lot of that reaction and let it go. I can yeah, regulate yeah. it. I can re- self-regulate it out. Yeah. yeah self-regulate because I mean, this is a bigger conversation, so I won't go into it too far, um, because this is more what I do f- through Hmm. the kinesiology space is when we don't process our emotion, when we, you know, because a lot of people find difficult emotion uncomfortable, so Mm -hmm. they'll tend to push it away. But what we resist persists, 
Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it can get stuck down in our physical body, and that can show up as um, physical pain. It can show up as anxiety. It can show up as feeling hopeless or fear. All these things stay down in our physical body if they're not processed. But then we act out of that place. So it mm. we act for it's like a protective mechanism. So then we act from that place from our subconscious. So when other things happen, we get triggered and we act from those places rather than from a regulated space. So the more we can Mm. learn to regulate ourselves and process events and things um, that come up and happen, the more able we are to cope with life. And also, mm. where when we meditate, uh, in particular, we are processing things that are going on within our life. We are processing um, underlying mm. stress, so it helps us to be more regulated. Oh, that's really interesting. I that I like I, I like that idea that it just kind of just dissipates out. We don't take it on. Mm. Yeah. What's so next for you? What do you? What are you thinking about next? What are you working on? What am I working on? Yeah, what's what's cooking it's, in your noodle? Well, it's much I hate to say much of the same, but I love what I do. So yeah. it's not necessarily uh, going too far out of where I am. As I mentioned, I love uh, working with corporates and that's something that uh, I will continue mm. to do. Uh, I have several corporate programs, but... And that they won't really change, that they're quite standard. But on the kinesiology side of things and on the personal development side of things, I'm always coming up with uh, new programs and ways to work with people, particularly people in different parts of the world that I might not always get a chance to be able to see one on one in person. So that's, I'm, I'm. a part of my focus is on that because I do have two quite separate parts to to my business yes. in that respect. So I, I'm definitely working on that. But really what I would love to do is reach as many people as possible and be able to give all these all as many people tools as I can. That would be hmm. my goal. So it's not just about helping people to regulate and it's not about just like with my clients that come to see me one-on-one and helping them to process what might have gone on in their life so they can move out but also to give them agency to give them tools that they can use for life ultimately not that I don't want to see them again but ultimately I would love them to go out and be able to shine on their own they don't need to come back all the time so you want to be able um, people to have that self-efficacy and giving them tools for their life yeah, not just for that session. Uh, yeah, not just for that week or that month, or it, or for when times mm. are hard. These are tools that they can use uh, from when they're children to when they're ninety. Yeah. So as yeah, many then, as people as I can reach, I would love that. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think you're on the right path, right? You you've been doing the face to face stuff. Mm. And now it's how do you bring and then you did a lot of through COVID, you figured out how to do it remote. So I was busier than I've ever been. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm like, yeah. And that's not a fun busy. That's operating under crisis, right? Yeah, I was I was almost so busy that I was finding it difficult to manage it. Yeah. yeah, And that's like that's operating under for me. It's under crisis. It's like Mm. it's it's not like a controlled kind of plant. It's all of a sudden it's just 
water's coming in over the wall, right? Yeah. Uh, you're trying to bail, bail yourself, bail everybody out. You were bailing everybody out. But I think that experience is going to help you figure out a way to communicate with people, like you said, it, you yeah. know, through through manuals or through uh, coursework or however you end up yeah. workbooks. Um, well, I, I think the tool I, set, the tool yeah. set. Yeah, and I do do that. I have uh, quite a few programs on Insight Timer um, that people okay. can access. And I do actually do probably more work online than I do in person, even for uh, corporates. Okay even for corporates, because I don't know what it's like in America, but still here in Australia, um, people, a lot of people still have days that they work at home now. So it's that real mix of being in the it's, office and being at home. And yep. so, or they have people in different offices around the country, or for example, a, a workshop I'm doing next week, part of their team is in New Zealand. So I still do a lot online because they want everyone to be able to participate and often people are at home, some people are in the office, some people are in another city. Yeah. So most of my work predominantly is online still. It's online. Interestingly, yeah, it, it totally shifted. Even some of my one-on-one -on -one clients, in fact, I would say at least half are online as, as in person. Yeah, and I think I, I mean, we always, we're gonna lo we lose something when we go online. We're not face-to-face -face, mm. uh, for sure. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But I think for what you're doing, this kind of skill set, I think, is okay. And you can reach more people. You can reach more people. You give more people the opportunity. So, yeah. I mean, I go in and speak in workplaces, but it tends to be smaller groups, um, which is which is fantastic. Sometimes bigger That's groups, nice. but sometimes bigger groups too. You know, anywhere, mm. I guess, between 15 to 100 people or even less or, or more. But I think when it actually gets so big, some big sometimes you actually – online is even more yeah, effective yeah. because people yeah. can connect and they can write in the chat and things like that where people yes. sometimes particularly in bigger groups might be reluctant to say where yeah. they're at and I, i'm someone who always invites a lot of um conversation so so it's it can be uh if it's a bigger group i think online is good but those smaller more personal groups like i did something mm. a couple of weeks ago and it was 15 people and they they would just it it became a conversation rather than me standing up presenting, which was oh, fantastic. That. That's the way yeah. I like it to be. Yeah, uh, more of that for sure. But uh, yeah, less PowerPoint, more conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, talk about mindfulness and watch my PowerPoint. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Somehow that doesn't resonate. Um, yeah. Any kind of any thoughts? Any closing thoughts? Any you want to leave the audience with any hot tips on mindfulness or? How to, how to find you and all that good stuff and how to engage. Absolutely. My, my biggest tip is to connect to your breath. Slow mm. your breath down. That will slow your mind down. Just take a moment, a few times a day, just to come back, breathe into your belly, breathe deeply, uh, slow down, connect to see your senses again. Even if you just do that a couple of minutes even one minute during your day it will help you to to regulate it and our breath is that the biggest gift that we have it's free you don't need to go anywhere you can do it sitting in a meeting if you need to if you're feeling triggered or overwhelmed uh, but i just think it's such an incredible tool and learning how to breathe properly into your diaphragm because that yeah. signals yes. um to the body and the mind that you're safe so i would i would highly encourage that uh, in terms of finding me, uh, you can find me at sashastuart.net and 
You can learn more about what I do there. I have a podcast called The Inner Healer, which is all about mm. you learning about your own inner healing gifts. Uh, oh. Again, it's about the education. Uh, I always like to give people tools. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Insight Timer. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm around. <laughs> I'm sure you can pop all the links Uh I, I don't know how you do it on the show, but I'll give I can send you all the links. Yeah, so people I'll can put this for me. the yeah in a few weeks, or it'll be it'll be a few weeks, and so we'll get the audio out. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe not even a few weeks. Actually, maybe sooner than that. I have a kind of a trick up my sleeve. Sasha, thanks for being a guest. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Fun. We bounced around a little bit, and mm -hmm. um, but I really did the takeaway that the two things that you've got going. Great tool sets, great knowledge to have for mental health. And um, again, thanks for being on the show and sharing. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. It was such yeah. a pleasure and it was lovely to connect. Yeah. And if you're listening to this on uh, on audio, thank you very much for being audio, getting this on the recordings. This show also is available live. You can go back and try to find it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and YouTube. And thanks again, everybody. Talk to you soon. See you in 30 seconds, Sasha. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from Ooh. the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I took eye with a man.